companies have to change as the needs of their customers change, as the environment around us changes. And so as a technology company, to me, that's especially important. The world around us, from biotech to computing technology and infrastructure, is fundamentally changing how we live and connecting us in ways that we never thought possible, at least in my lifetime. And so as a technology company, our job is to take advantage of this technological movement and progression and enable our customers to do more as a result of that. So to me, it's an obligation, not just, you know, not just a privilege, is to stay up to date, to be innovative, and to deliver to meet our customers' mission. Disruption, women in technology, work-life integration. Enterprise technology can be a wellspring of topics and conversations on innovation. Walking into a vibrant and established tech company never truly gets old. The resources, the brand staging, the scale, the possibilities. In the end, it's not the scale that delights, though. For me, one of the things that stood out at BlackBod's headquarters was their open tables with crayons and paper. It's a wonderfully simple, human and organic statement about bringing ideas to life. That sounds about right for a company whose mission is concerned with improving the social good across the globe. It also frames my time with Mary Beth Westmoreland. She's the chief technology officer at BlackBaud and has decades of experience in tech. Yet, for as techy as this conversation could have been, it was anything but. She was personal, passionate, and refreshingly human. This is Of Note a podcast on innovation. I'm Laura Corder, Managing Director of South Carolina Department of Commerce's Office of Innovation. And I'm Joseph Nuther, co-founder of Design Sensory and PopFizz. We're talking to some of the most interesting minds in the South. They're hands-on, they're driven, and they're sharing their notes on invention, funding, entrepreneurship, growth, and so much more. BlackBot is the world's leading provider of software and services for the social good community, and it's always been part of our DNA. BlackBot's offerings include analytics, financial and fundraising management, grant and award management, and payment services through the cloud. We serve the biggest nonprofits to the very smallest community-based animal shelters and food banks. Our mission is to provide services for all of those folks. There are common capabilities across all of those verticals, but with the common thread of all of these organizations that do more good. Their obsession with their mission to do more good is apparent. Photographs and photography murals are featured prominently throughout their headquarters. The photographs in the wall, the spaces, the, the innovation center that we've created for our customers to come in and work with us. It's really all about being more you know, close to our customer's mission so that we understand it and that we can help power and serve it better. That philanthropic focus of their mission is what attracted Mary Beth to BlackBaud, and she's been there now for over 10 years. I mean, some things haven't changed at all. You know, our passion and mission for doing more good in the world and our, our commitment to delivering great tech to serve that mission has not changed. But the technology itself has changed dramatically, right? We started 
10 years ago as a software company that delivered on-premises software to our customers who managed and installed it. And now we're a, a full-fledged cloud tech company doing really amazing things. Mary Beth's right, and not just about BlackBot. Tech has to evolve over time as architectures change and disparate breakthroughs make new ideas possible. For business and technology, timing can be everything. Mary Beth joined BlackBot in 2009 and the world was grappling with an economic recession. But technology powered forward. Apple's App Store turned one. Google launched Android. GPS was coming to smartphones, and everyone was talking about netbooks. Tech companies were just beginning to talk about the idea of a smart home. The Apple Watch wouldn't even debut until six years later in 2015. People were only beginning to get accustomed to a lifestyle of always-on connectivity, and the term, the Internet of Things, was just gaining traction. In order to stay competitive in the world of technology, BlackBot and its leadership invest heavily in innovation. We have a lot of different methods that drive innovation. I mean, the primary one is you build teams of great people and give them problems to solve. Don't tell them how to solve it, right? Put a team of UX folks and engineers and product managers and really amazing, talented people together and tell them, here's the problem. And then let them engage with the customers to truly understand it and solve it in ways that are super creative that no one might have thought of. And that's how we want our organizations to function. But then we also do things like hackathons, right? We have something called Off the Grid, where any organization, not just our engineering or product teams, they come together and for two days, they go off and solve a problem that they identify and that they decide how they're gonna solve, whatever technology, whatever problem. And then we come together as an organization and we demo those things and we vote. The winning team goes to BBCon, actually a couple of the winning teams go to our conference, our annual conference, and they show off their wares to the customers and get more feedback. And a lot of that innovation goes into our products and our customers benefit from it. We have a team, an amazing, very small, talented team called BlackBot Labs, and that's our incubation team. It's run by one of the most brilliant leaders I've had the pleasure of working with. Her name is Roz Lemieux. She was a CEO of a small company called Attentively. And she runs that team as an entrepreneur and invites other people in. But their job is to look at things like new tech and innovate on things that may not be part of our daily jobs, but that help advance the mission of our, our customers. And it's all of those things together, as well as a leadership team that really truly believes in investing in innovation is what drives that culture. It was interesting when she mentioned that to me that it, it kind of uh, reminded me of the, that sort of old Silicon Valley thing of the Mac, you know, being that pirate ship within Apple that was essentially trying to overturn the old Apple platform, right, with the new Mac platform. So it, it didn't, it didn't, surprised me that they had that going but i think you you know more about what they're doing with that right that's a pretty recent thing for them to to start up this almost skunk works team within blackbot right yeah so they they've recently and i would say in general blackbot's team has known you know if, if they don't disrupt themselves somebody else will period you know whether that be so they stay competitive in the marketplace or from them you know they really put their their customer at the heart of that so for them that, that constant iteration of innovation is so that they are providing the best service to their customer now the challenge is how do you keep doing that once as your company keeps scaling you know that's easy when you've got founders you know five ten people in a room everyone's still kind of doing a little bit of everything roles are kind of unofficially defined and that's fun there's a there's there's a culture there that's fun that you know you're not necessarily uh, slated one type of responsibility. So there's a nimbleness there that's that's and the flexibility. 
But obviously, as you scale, and especially I think they're at an army of almost 3,000 employees, that's not possible anymore. So how do you maintain some of that 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 nimbleness while in that that space for innovation while still, you know, amongst 20, 30, 40, and, and so on amount of people? So that's where competitions like these are, these going off and doing things that are not even necessarily directly related to your work, but are really valuable. Uh, so you keep that spirit of problem solving going amongst your employees. Um, in fact, I when I, I had the pleasure of going out to Denver Startup Week um, back in the fall, and uh, for anybody that's ever tried to put on a startup week, I really commend Denver. I really do. Because, uh, it, I mean, it's all volunteer. Is driven. it a tough thing to do? It is. A, I've done it for Columbia, you know, and it's, you know, it's it's basically a community coming together and saying, we love entrepreneurship and we want to give a week dedicated to helping them and celebrating it, period. And they're, it's all volunteer. Um, and then the next week is a week off, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the, <laughs> and the next week off. So, so anyways, I, I had the pleasure. I was just obviously I had my my, my personal experience of doing it. I had read that they put on a, a quite impressive event, and, and they do. Um, and in fact, they had a whole series of just how to how to company scale. You know, um, we we love to kind of focus on the small business. You know, the uh, start tech startups. But now, what happens when you become that gorilla? Um, and how do you maintain that? You know, I, I made sure to actually go out and seek out a lot of our. Um, a lot of segments that are around how do we help companies scale. And uh, they had uh, the VP of product engineering for Slack there, actually. And um, he's, he, of course, he'd, he'd come from a lot of other big tech companies. And I thought he had such a great way of simplifying what is a very complicated issue, which is culture is just documented process. And I feel like, you know, while those competitions and things like that are fun, but they're a process and they encourage their employees to partake in those processes. So, and not only with their employees, but they encourage their customers to do that with them in their lab. So it's just a space that they've dedicated just to inviting their their customers in. It's like, what are your problems? And how do we help problem solve yeah. them with you? Yeah, I, 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 when I, you know, I, it reminds me of, of, of uh, uh, you know, that, that, that's a, the classic Netflix uh, culture conversation, mm -hmm. Patty and her, her seminal, uh, uh, you know, freedom and responsibility uh, deck, but but it, you said you know you said something that was very interesting because she said the same thing. I think it was like you just need to write down the things that you expect in people. Yeah, and and then to your point, then also document then what sort of the, the 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 macro process is like. And so if you document what your expectations are of their behaviors and you sort of frame that over the course of a process, you, you really put a mm -hmm. blueprint together for how you want something to work, right? And I'd even go one step further. It's not even about just the process. It's then how do you reward incentivize that process with your employees or your team, however you want to talk about it. But they they truly want this to be a celebration within their uh, their their Blackbot community. And so yeah, they they then help them if if it's a good enough project, we're going to take you to that competition. Yeah. You know, we're gonna we, right. we want this to work. So it's not even just about the process. It's now because everyone's like you hear the word process like uh right. uh but 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 now how do you make that something people actually want to participate in did they talk any about how you 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 might attract or hire different people as you get bigger or scale in other words you know when you're when you're 20 or 50 something you may not be hiring people that um have guidance or clarity on how to run say a public company mm -hmm. but when you've scaled up to hundreds of people and potentially you're you're public or getting ready to to go there you start having to hire people who understand that climate mm -hmm. did they talk any about that uh no not specifically but i i, I would think 
you know, hiring hiring strategies all comes down to, again, going back to for uh, BlackBot is they want people that are going to empathize with their customer mm-hmm. from the get-go. If they don't if they don't share that passion and their mission with, with BlackBot, what BlackBot's about, you're probably not going to cut it there. Uh, but then second of all, you know, people that are then are going to fit that culture that they've made a map for. It's probably what they're looking for. So there's sort of a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, uh, a soul, a blackbod soul, soul yeah. that they're looking for, yeah. and and then you know once they find that person, then they they kind of get put into then the the sort of ecosystem that yeah. will let them sing in a sense. Our culture at Blackbot is primarily focused on the mission of our customers. It's driven by that, so you're going to see a lot of energy and passion for doing more good in the world. And you know what I think that that relays into is how we treat each other. It's with respect. It's a very open culture where we're accepting of people who are themselves and we celebrate that. And in fact, we search it out. It's important, I think, not just as a good company, but as a technology company to have people of diverse thought around a table solving a problem who have really different views. We, I think, as a culture, as a country, as a world, need to inspire more people to become more technologically educated and pursue careers. And diversity helps all of us. In many ways, Mary Beth's career is about transformation. She talked about her early experiences in a male-dominant field, but also about how she's helping to open up careers in technology to more people. Some things have changed and some things haven't. From a personal perspective, I can tell you 30 years ago, I wanted to be known as an engineer, not as a woman because I felt like when I wrote code, people would look at the code and they would say, wow, that's a pretty good code for a woman. And I I thought, you know, I don't want you to see me as a woman. I want you to see me as an engineer. And I want you to put my code up blindly against any other engineer and see it for what it is. And so I, I think over the years, I maybe kind of didn't want to maybe be that role model until recently when what I realized is I never had that. I didn't really have that strong female role model. And now I see it as, as um, a personal obligation to do more. So I've always taken the, the mission of giving back seriously through donations, through skills-based services, through volunteering. What I've done recently is focused my attention more where I feel like I can advance the mission in a different way. And so I've decided to do things like spend time here in the local Charleston community, advancing the Charleston women in tech community. But then also I serve as a trustee on my alma mater, which was when I went to school, predominantly a women's college, Immaculata University, as well as serving on the College of Engineering, Computing and Applied Sciences at Clemson University, where diversity is a, is a primary objective as well. So where I feel like I can really help in advance, that's where I spend my time. podcast is part of Scribble, South Carolina's voice of innovation. We celebrate and support the innovative activity across the state by connecting people to people. Visit ScribbleSC.com for exclusive interviews, tools, and resources. That's ScribbleSC.com.
Mary Beth um, is a part of what, what's called uh, Charleston Women in Tech. Uh, this was, and I, I love that this group even exists because it, 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 even its founding members just recognize that Charleston needed a home, you know, an advocate for women participating in technology fields and, and really realizing the scope of what that can mean. So it started off in just humble, you know, small meetups here and there and it just kind of exploded in a very short period of time uh to a very uh, just amazing group of women that 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 gather on an ongoing basis and i've been so eager to get down uh for one of their events um I was talking about a year, and I'm I'm so happy I finally made it to one back in December. Um, and and in fact, uh, what I loved about this event, so it, it seemed kind of standard, you know, in terms of what they were doing. Uh, it was at Blackbaud, um, and their beautiful new space that was there, and they had at least 500 people in this room. And I do want to say it wasn't all just females; there were males that also attended, mm-hmm. uh, which was great that that you had kind of that support of not just yeah. This is woman hear me roar kind of group, but mm-hmm. we also had had males there uh, to help appreciate what this group is doing. Uh, but you know, women were invited of all ages and, and different kinds of backgrounds to kind of share some kind of personal story, whether that be a cool project that they've worked on or. Um, obviously professional kind of experience. Uh, so kind of a small TED Talk kind of style. And so, yes, the presentations were great. Big support, you know, things like that. But really, as they they, they kind of opened it up with, uh, you know, each one of these presenters was given a, a coach and were kind of had to, you know, go through certain milestones and their presentation skills kind of leading up to the event itself. Um, and so that actually stuck out to me more than the event itself. You know, they, they didn't really give a big overview necessarily on the, on the process. They just kind of, you know, put the, you know, went through the, went through the presentations. And, um, and so finally, you know, when we were on site uh, with, with Mary doing her interview, you know, I kind of, she asked me how I thought the event went. I was like, you know, I, obviously impressive, amazing, you know, event, but what I actually think you really needed to to tone in more is the fact that you've given some of those women a first time experience to ever attempt something. I mean, speaking in front of you know three, four, five hundred people—that's a lot. And yeah. a lot of them have probably never done something like that. What were they like? Were they were they developers? Was te- being women in tech or, or all some walks kinda, of life? Yeah, all walks of life. I mean, I think they had a nineteen-year-old all the way to somebody in their sixties. Um, kind of, t- like I said, yes, yeah, some kind of technology angle. Yes, but it, their in terms of what they were sharing was quite broad. Um, so the fact that this program, you know, women, Charleston Women Tech, recognize that, hmm, maybe what we really need to do is not just help them with their technology skill, but also just leadership skill right. in general, right. provide that environment for it and the resources for it. You know, we're going to help find out, track down a mentor. Okay, now here's a process of, you know, here they're going to help you through your presentation exactly. So one, you feel confident doing it. Right. And two, that obviously we're delivering even better presentations for the event itself. Right. So the fact that they've given that safe place, because really none of the, there was nothing at stake here. You know, give, doing that presentation, it wasn't like for work. It wasn't in front of a big client. You weren't going to get fired. Tired. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just that personal anxiety of, oh, my God, I'm sharing something personal in front of 500 people now kind of um, development process there for them that I think somebody one of those one of those women are going to point back to and say that was a pivotal point. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really confident in that. And I hope that they recognize and really kind of even pat themselves on the back. Don't take that for granted that right. you've given that leadership development opportunity to a group that probably would have never done it themselves. Is it, is it an annual event or quarterly? 
Uh, so Charles Women in Tech hosts all kinds of events, and they have other initiatives too. Uh, now they host; they usually host a big uh, holiday gathering of some kind, which is what I attended back in December. Uh, but I would say another thing that they do, in fact, that uh, my office is partnering with them a completely separate initiative around uh, getting digital literacy out mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. They have something called Code On, where they literally have gone out to laundromats and will teach people how to code. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say, and it's not even something that is on the top of my head, you know, and as someone in my late thirties and having, having been, uh, having built design sensory where we hire the, the person who's the best at what they do, right? They don't care who they are, or makeup of things like that. We, we, we just, and we're predominantly female here. So it strikes me, it, it's a little surprising to me that I keep hearing how much of a minority women are in tech. Um, but have you seen, so it's, it's foreign to me. Have you seen, however, have you seen that in your walk of life, Laura? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, my day spending at the technology incubator in Columbia, there were days I was the only woman I saw all day. Uh, that's not to discredit, you know, the companies that were there were amazing and fun and, I, you know, talented people walking through those doors, but not very many women in technology or even women entrepreneurs to begin with at that time. Um and so that's why I think, you know, having people like like Mary, Mary Beth, who are obviously, you know, very talented in what they do, willing to now give back in that way helps make South Carolina a stronger place for women to thrive, no matter what if it's technology or not. Because I think that's that's what's special about a group like that too, is technology doesn't have to be for you, but it's a place where you can come explore it with fellow women to see if it is something you do want to pursue. And mm. here's a way to do it should you, should you want to. So she's sort of like helping to build the community yeah, around it. Yeah, the community around it. And then by doing that, it, it, it's, it's she's sort of trailblazing and then now giving permission for everybody in, in a way that didn't need permission. But it's sort to, of like, yes. yes, do this. You can do this. It's not... And also knowing it's something that you can do, that it's not reserved for another gender or another, you know, however you want to label it. But if it's something that interests you, then go go do it. And now here's a group, a safe place to go do it with. Yes, and 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 she's been she's been honored for the yeah. work that she's been doing, right? So in 2017, you were named one of the top 50 uh, women in tech, I believe, right by the National Diversity Council. I was. How, how did that make you feel? Can you talk a little bit about that? I was surprised and quite honestly, incredibly humbled by the honor. In being awarded that, it made me think, if I was being awarded this, why? What, like, what does the community of women in technology look like? And what I found is there's very few women CTOs, women who lead strategy and engineering and architecture for a company of the size of BlackBot as an example. And that made me feel even more committed to working with communities like Forbes and Fortune and the top 50 to, to help to shape change. I mean, BlackBot is unusual in the regard that we've been recognized as a top employer for women in tech by Forbes twice now. We've also had the pleasure of being honored this year by the Anita Borg Institute as a top employer for women technologists in the mid-market space. And, you know, I had the honor of being able to accept that award in front of nearly 27,000 people. It was really wonderful and I think a tribute to the work that we've done as a, as a leadership team, myself and um, Catherine LaCour, who is our chief marketing officer together, leading that work. Diversity has been an age-old issue in the technology field. Another issue is work-life balance. 
you might have heard the term work-life integration. So for us, you know, dinner table conversation is typically, hey, I had this issue. It was really tough to solve. Do you have some ideas on that? Like that, we love to spend time doing that. And so it's it's kind of like an integrated work to, to life. And I'm lucky to work and live with someone who has common interests that way and who's pretty freaking smart, who can help me too. Um, but BlackBot really takes balance seriously. Of all the companies I've worked for, you know, we give a lot of PTO for that reason. And we really want folks to take time and be with their families. And it's something that I've lived since I've been here and that we promote with all of our associates. We also talked to Mary Beth about some of her tools for innovation. Got my, my Apple Watch, I got my iPhone and my laptop. And I think I would probably attach my whiteboard to it if I could, and my Keurig, and maybe my telepresence and WebEx. As fans of the whiteboard, we zeroed in on it. But the thing about a whiteboard is that it's blank, right? You put a blank piece of paper in front of a team and you tell them to solve a problem. They rally around it and they're like, where do we start? How do we start? What ideas do we have? And so it almost is that tool for collaboration. I use the whiteboard because I like teams standing in front of it because you're moving and it's, it's active. It's not, you know, stale and, you know, you're sitting down and everyone must talk to each other and wait to be asked, right? It's, it's a team of just people together with markers in hand brainstorming as they're visualizing. And I'm a visual person. I like to see an answer come to life in the form of a visual on a board. Look, some of the best ideas, and really probably most of the best ideas, let's say most of the best ideas, come from all of the engineers and services folks and customer representatives and sales folks and product folks who really understand what our customers are trying to do and have great ideas about how to do it. And so we have to find a forum and a process where those ideas get escalated and that we're able to act on them. And that's where the innovation comes in. That's where the culture comes in. Uh, when she mentioned whiteboard, Laura, I saw you kind of do the happy dance over on the side there. <laughs> what, what were you so happy about? I just, I feel like whiteboards are just, they're an endless, po they're representation of an endless possibility, right? Like, yeah, yeah they're simple. But as soon as you put the right people around them, that's where ideas can really come to life. You know, we talk about technology and all these cool tools, WebEx, yes, all these things. But at the end of the day, all we need is a whiteboard. Like how empowering is that? That you don't need to have all this expensive stuff. You just need amazing people and a whiteboard. And, and a marker. And a marker. Markers you, you are good. Marker. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 this notion of, of of documenting and writing and problem solving is what's really even helped inspire the name of this project to begin with. Scribble. Whether that be on that quintessential coffee napkin or it's on a whiteboard with talented people, you're scribbling. But I mean, there are obviously a lot of ways you could have a tablet, you can do a lot of different things. Why this analog whiteboard? Why not? paper, Adobe paper with your, you know, smart, uh, smart pen. I just think there's something still human about it. You know, we think about even like cave drawings. Like we were, we, we've always felt this need to document. And, 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 and to me, that's what problem solving can be with a whiteboard. And that's probably why Blackbaud had crayons for, for all of their technology. Yeah. They had a table with paper and crayons on it, like right. scattered every five desks. As a, a person, 
a young person, an older person, a woman, a man, really anyone who wants to pursue a career in tech is do it. Try it. It's never too late. You can do it. It's um, drop the perception of what a technologist is and think about how you can enter the field either through an interest that you might have, an educational program that exists, a colleague who might mentor you. Just, just reach out because the support is there. Thanks everybody. I'm Mary Beth and those were my notes on innovation. This has been Of Note, a podcast that gets up close and personal with innovative people so we can learn from their successes and failures. I'm Joseph Nuther. I'm Laura Quarter. And this is an original production by the South Carolina Office of Innovation and Design Sensory. Special thanks to Mary Beth Westmoreland and Brian Kosoy with Blackbaud. Our producer and editor is Hunter Foster. Our sound engineer is Mike Deering with original music by Matt Honkinen. Check out more interviews, our blog, and resource area at scribblesc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready, Set, Scribble. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, keep pursuing your transformational ideas. Next time on Of Note. And I put it together and I test continuity and it should work. We plug it in and it doesn't work at all. Like it does not make a noise. It does not do anything. There's nothing happening. And I just lied down on the floor of this guy's garage and just buried my head in my hands. Just kind of just like moaned and groaned for a moment. And I went home and I looked at my wife and I said, I'm going to mope about this for 24 hours. And then tomorrow I will get in there and figure out what's going wrong. And in 15 minutes I solved it. And that was our first prototype.